Father, we thank you for this opportunity to come before your throne. We thank you, Lord, for mercy and grace to help us in our time of need. And we thank you, Lord, that we're aware that we need you. There are some people that need you and don't know it. So we thank you at least for that awareness. And once you make us aware of something, we know that you'll come for your word. So we thank you for the manifestation of all things good in our lives. In Jesus' name. Amen, amen, and amen again. Praise God. Amen. So, praise God. So, we were talking about uh, Jezebel and Ahab, uh, that part of the unholy trinity, and we know Pharaoh works in cooperation with them. Again, these are demonic personalities that influence humans. And this is what the enemy is always there to do, to influence human beings. Uh, If he can get people who are in authority and start to manipulate them and influence them, uh, it's so much better for his rule. Once people become aware of the enemy and begin to resist him, then we can have God's rule, amen, especially if it's godly people or people who will um, do right things and, and stand up for moral laws and all that kind of stuff, uh, then we can have peace. But until God really rules in areas, there is no peace. Sometimes we can think we have peace because nobody's really fighting that much, but underneath there's, there's trouble brewing. Many people say, well, why would these these people work together because so much discord? Well, that's the purpose. <laughs> they get together to mess things up. Amen. Now, you know, we know people like that. You know, we were kids in school. There was always the tattletales. You know, the kids would run from one person to the next. You know, they, they really, you didn't, they never had really friends. And that's probably the problem with them. Uh you know, a lot of times kids don't know how to, what really constitutes a friendship, how to stay loyal to somebody. You know, sometimes you'll see people say, well, we've been knowing each other since we were in third grade or fourth grade, and they still connect, still talk and all that kind of stuff. And I think it's because some people really respect loyalty. I mean, there's something to be said for that, especially if it's a good association. You know, if you are, you strengthen each other, you help each other, you, you're always there for one another, you know, that kind of thing. And it, it's good to have friends, but the, the little tail bearer usually doesn't have any friends. They, they don't know how to be loyal. They just know how to keep trouble stirring, you know, running from one group to another, bearing tails and you know, the Bible says that, you know, tail bearer, you know, all those those proverbs about tail bearers, scorners. These are the people you want to get out of your business because they're going to cause you some trouble somewhere. You know, so if you it's always good to keep your mind shut to gossip, uh, to sensational things. When people are in trouble, you don't want to know everybody's trouble. You don't have to know their trouble. Amen. And so it's it's just always good. And, you know, God always informs us when prayer is needed, you know, so it's good to rely on the the spirit of God. And God will, will tell faithful people who can work with him for a remedy. Amen. A tale bearer tells everybody. And they're not looking for a remedy. They're looking to cause some kind of trouble for some. They just enjoy trouble. 
and strife and they get excited when when stuff is going on with stuff leaping off and jumping off and all that kind of stuff and so that's why god has his people in this or we're the peacemakers amen that's why we're blessed amen there's a blessing in it for you when you're a peacemaker peacemakers don't take sides i got news for you peacemakers are always on god's side amen no matter who says what and what and all that. And if you don't have anything godly to offer, just keep your mouth shut. You know, that you'll find a lot of things pass you by. And you don't have to put have your input on everything in order for life to run well for people. So, so these are things that you learn. But the tailbearer is the one you want to keep out of your business. You don't say much in front of them. And you, and then if, if they learn something about you, you know how to give them the... Uh, the stink eye and, and giving the mean mug and, and you act like you're going to come to their house if they keep running their mouth. So you know how to put that stuff to an end. So, but anyway, <laughs> God is kind of why we came into that, but you know, it's just good to know, you know, what to open your ears to and what to open your eyes and your heart to. And uh, these three always keep strife going. They always keep confusion going. That is their their uh, their role is for kill, steal, and destroy, uh, to keep confusion going, uh, to uh, keep strife going, so that people don't get along. Because they know if if people are in the flesh and in in the wrong spirit, God can't get involved. So that's the main objective for these uh, these ruling princes, is what we call them, because they have authority in high places. And so you got to understand that they can get involved in anything. They get involved in the church. They get involved in our government. They get involved in the, the family. They get involved everywhere. And so they, and, and their objective is selfishness. If they can find people selfish, that's the kind of soil they like to work in that works in, in real easy with them. So if they can find people who are more concerned about me than I am about my neighbor, than I am about my family, then I, when you get concerned about you, that's their playground where they need. So God tells us to love everybody. And he said, I'll take care of you. You don't have to worry about you. You know, you don't have to uh, to get involved in that uh, nonsense. You know, it's, it's me against the world and nobody loves me and they never do anything for me. Well, why are you so big? You know, why are you so important? Why, well, how come nobody likes you? Maybe you ought to check, check in somewhere and be more likable. In other words, start start paying attention to what God says. Life is so much bigger. I'm so glad I don't think about myself like I used to before I got saved. You understand? God relieved me of that burden. I got to be a burden to me. You understand what I'm saying? When you get saved, God relieves you of the burden of what they call self-care. No, I don't take care of myself. God takes care of me. You know, I do my washing and, you know, scrubbing behind my ear, brushing my teeth and all that kind of stuff. But other than that, God takes care of me. Amen. And I don't have to have that burden of what's going to happen to me and how am I going to make it and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Stuff we used to be involved in. And so when you start thinking more about you 
then about being obedient to what God says. That's the fertile ground that these entities operate on. So as long as you're obeying God, he says, love me first, love God first with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Amen. In other words, treat your neighbor the way you want to be treated. Amen. That That's not talking about loving you and putting you first and all that, but treat your neighbor the way you would like to be treated. Amen. And, and the Bible even says that we should esteem one another more highly than ourselves. Try to make it easier for people, not harder. Amen. So, so we got a ways to go sometimes in some situations, but, but we working on it. Amen. We, we know what God expects. We know what he wants and we're working on it. And so once we really understand the characteristics of these different entities, it makes it easier for, for us to resist them. You know, in, in selfish things, you know, uh, if you're worried about, well, I can't spend all my money on my kids' shoes and stuff, what's going to be left for me? You know, I won't have nothing left for me, you know, and those thoughts may cross your mind. But, you know, if you take that to the Lord, like God says, you may not be able to figure out how everybody's going to make it and, and have what they desire, but I've got a plan for you. I know how to do this. I know how to take care of people is what God says. And so then we have God. See, people in the world don't have that. That's why you see them falling for these these different deceptions and and doing things that they they thought they were going to get, you know, ahead this way. And they found out they fell backwards. Well, you know, if if you're reading your Bible, you can look at that and see that wasn't going to work. You understand me? And and this is the advantage that we have as believers. We we know the word. If we don't know it, we have access to it. We can pray. We can ask God, what do I do in this situation? It looks like, you know, everything's against me and I don't want to do anything wrong, Lord. I want to live right so you can bless me. Amen. And, and it might be tough for a little bit, but you'll find that God will honor your obedience. He'll honor what you do to honor him. And so this is the way Christians live. We, we live uh, honorable. We live decent. We live respectable. We live respecting God and he respects us and he provides for every single need that we have. So always believe God according to his word. You know, let his, let his word manifest in your life and let his word rule supreme in your life. And, and God will always come for you. Amen. He will always come for you. So we were talking about the Jezebel and Ahab pair. Uh, we said the, the, uh, they, they rule as a, an aggressive woman or seductive or subtle woman and a passive male. And many times in these relationships, you will see uh, the woman being the aggressor, uh, taking the lead. Um, there's a lot of witchcraft involved in these relationships, blackmail, uh, intimidation, threats. If you don't do this, for me, I won't do that for you. There's a lot of retaliation back and forth. And so when you you understand that, that this is the devil's doing, this isn't normal. It's not normal for people to live like this. God wants us to live in love and harmony. And so uh, this this kind of couple, 
they're reluctant to be vulnerable, what we call vulnerable to each other. They don't, they're not honest with one another. They're always manipulating, always thinking it's never going to work for them unless they do this. They're always plotting, conniving, uh, you know, if I do this, he'll do that. And if I don't do this, he won't do, you know, that kind of always adding up everything. And so that mentality, when, when people fall into that mentality, that means, number one, you don't trust God. Number two, you're not walking in love because love doesn't take into account a wrong done. You understand love doesn't, amen, it's not touchy, it's not boasting, trying to ex, ex, exalt itself above the other people. Love isn't fearful. Love is courageous, amen? You know, you'll see people go out and risk their own lives sometimes uh, to save a pet that's drowning or some, or, or another person that's drowning and lose their own life. Why? Because that love that wells up in the heart of a human being. You understand what I'm saying? And people say, well, that's kind of stupid. They shouldn't. No, you don't know. You weren't that person. You weren't in that situation. You can't judge that. You understand what I'm saying? And so there's in there times when it works. That was just one of the unfortunate times it didn't. But there are times when people do uh, put themselves at risk in order to help somebody else. Amen. You know, you can you can give a neighbor, uh, do a neighbor a favor and put yourself at risk. You understand? And you can't live by yourself. You've got to reach out to people. You know, God wants us to show his love to humanity. So we can't just stay in the little corner all the time and just take care of me and my little bunch here. You know, we, we have to learn how to open ourselves up so that God can use us and God can do the things he wants to do for humanity. We're, we're here to love one another. Amen. Love your neighbor. You know, the disciples said, who is my neighbor? Jesus said, anybody you walk across. Amen. Anybody you come across is we talking about the people next door. You know, only and then the people the door over, you don't know them. That's not right. Amen. So he said there was a, a man that coming down the road and ran into somebody. Now, who's the neighbor? Amen. He didn't even live next to he didn't know where the man lived at all and stopped to help him. So everybody's your neighbor. Amen. So that's the way God sees it. So so we have to open ourselves up to the love of God. And I can tell you that's your greatest protection against the influence of evil and the influence of these evil, selfish demons that work in a selfish mind and a selfish heart. And so that's that's your protection. That's your insulation. That's your um, that's your bravery. Amen. Is love is always your bravery. If you do things in love and you do it from a pure heart, and you you let God move you to do things. You're not you're not trying to impress anybody. You're you're dead to all that kind of stuff and allow God to move you. Allow him to to help you and allow him to do great things for you, you know, or through you, then, then God is, is, is blessed. And it doesn't matter what it costs. Let me put that to you too. Cause sometimes we'll get to say, well, I can't spend that kind of money. on." Y'all know what I'm saying. You know, this is a heart thing. You know, God is, is, is after people who are going to give, uh, you know, for things that they know people desire and people want. Give to your own hurt. 
Amen. You know, you know, it's going to cost you something. This person really likes this thing and this would be a a blessing for them. Something, you know, once in a lifetime thing, you know, somebody maybe is 50th wedding anniversary. You know, you don't give them a can opener. You understand what I'm saying? If, If you can't, if you don't know of a real good gift to give them, you know what I'm saying? Then, then get a money card, you know, put 50, a hundred dollars in there. They're worth it. Amen. And it's not something you do every day, but you know, we always want to squirrel away some and think, well, that's too much to spend. I don't let God open. He said, give as you purpose in your heart. Your heart wants to bless people. Your mind will come in and tell you, you spend it to your mind. is cheap. Your heart is extravagant. Amen. Your heart. God's trying to get us to think like him and act like him and be like him. See, love is your protection against everything. It really is. Love is is your great protection. Amen. You don't have to worry about anything from anybody if you walk in love and if you endeavor to love that person as yourself. Amen. And and what that means, it doesn't mean that well, if you don't love yourself, you can't love. Now, that's a lie. Now, everybody wants good treatment. Come on now. We all got a baseline that we're working from. And we all want good treatment. We all want people to treat us. We Nobody wants to go up to anybody and, and get embarrassed or get hurt or get anything. So So God says, start sowing that kind of behavior. And and don't wait and see if you get anything back. Because then you're judging God. He wants us to do this continuously. We don't do it to see if we're going to get something in return. We do it continuously. It is a lifestyle. Amen. You know, is you know, I, I, I can remember when I was married, I always remembered things my husband liked. And and God showed me, he said, this is what I mean when you when you love me with all of your mind, you check in with me and, and ask me, what can I do for my husband that he would like? God, you show me. And and I trained myself to listen for things that he he really enjoyed or he really liked. I wasn't all the time trying to get stuff for me, you know. I did my share, but Now I'm messing with y'all, but, but God has blessed my life so much. And and then I found out and and God began to show me, he said, where your gift is giving. He said, I put people in the earth with that assignment on their life is to give. Amen. And not to sit back and watch and wring your hands. And I can remember when I was little and I would be so upset if I didn't have uh, you know, if I couldn't participate with the other kids and do what they did and all of that. And it wasn't that. I, you, and you know what? When people see you operating like that, the carnal mind will tell, well, who she thinks she is. We broke. We can't do that. How Miss High and Mighty. You know, I used to get that a lot. And Miss Rich B. You understand what I'm saying? And see, you're going to have to suffer some when God gives you to make a difference in the world. Because I see people right now that I've come into contact with since being a minister, and I see them doing great things for God, but they don't get the big money like the big ministries do. 
Do you understand? So they depend on people like me who look at them and say, God, what's my part to do to help these people? I'm not going to just turn my back and say, well, I can't do it right now. God, you show me a way to help this person because, you know, they depend on just basic offerings from people. And, and you're the basic person that they're in contact with. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's not always somebody else's job to take care of that. See, that's your job because God has shown it to you and he's touched your heart. And see, givers always have money. I'm just going to be honest with you. God's blessed my life. Why? Because I've learned how to live by his rules. And I wouldn't give up living by God's rules for anything because I know they work. And I know God's true. And I know he's real. And I'll tell anybody, you know, young people will say, well, I need this. Honey, you can sow your way into and out of anything. It's like, what do you have in your house? What do you have? Well, I don't have nothing. That's because you're looking for the wrong thing. God's looking for, he's not, I didn't ask you what you didn't have. Come on, y'all. I asked you what you do have. See, this is what's wrong with people. We're scared somebody's going to ask us for our last. Huh? And you may have to sow your last in order for God to show up because he's sick of you hanging on to that $10 bill. They can't buy nothing nowadays. Amen. I, you know, sometimes I'll look at these fast food menus and I said, now, wait a minute. This stuff didn't double. That's why I don't go nowhere. I cook my own food for the most part. Now, sometimes I'll go some of these places, you know, to get some wings because I don't feel like frying stuff all the time. But you know what I'm saying? You you look at and you say, my goodness, you mean this this thing has doubled like in a year? You see what I'm saying? So that little $10 in your sock you didn't have for 10 years, you might as well go sew that and see if you can get 100 <laughs> Just give it to that little bum you keep, you know, when you, when you get make sure your window's rolled all the way up and you get real stiff on, you, on your arms, on your steering wheel. Yeah, that bum. Roll your window down, get that bum that $10. Then ask God to bless him. You understand what I'm saying? Be a giver. Your your father's a giver. He said, imitate him. Be imitators of God like dear children. You know what a dear child is? Somebody he really likes. Amen. That's why yeah, if you really want God to like you and you really want him. Now, he loves everybody. But his dear children, there's the imitators. See, they're the ones who want to be so much like him. You got me? That's why, you know, I mean, in, in families, you'll see sometimes kids look too much like their parents. You know what I'm saying? And then they, you know, the parents, they feel good because, well, who wouldn't like that? You know, somebody God saw fit to bring a child and look just like you. That's an honor. And then they wind up with the worst behavior of all the kids. <laughs> the biggest cut up. That's what God does that to keep you from getting too excited about them. Amen. And realizing what parenting really is. Amen. So, I mean, it's just that way. But the dear children are the imitators, behavior imitators. 
the ones who start to 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 uh, uh, get interested in the same things mom and dad are interested. You know that kind of thing. You have that kind of connection, that kind of affinity. And that's an honor and that's a blessing. And so that's how we bless God is by being imitators of him and not out for self. God's not out for himself. He's well taken care of, honey. He don't need nothing. He said, if I was hungry, I wouldn't tell y'all. <laughs> y'all ain't gonna feed me. <laughs> we gonna go find. We gonna gotta put the best away for ourselves and say, well, okay, God, you really hungry? What can I? I ain't got nothing in the house but uh, a barrel of meal. He said, I'll take it. <laughs> Amen. So we always have something. You know, we always do. I mean, you know, God, that we can offer to the Lord. Nothing else. You got time. You got time to worship him and read your word and pray. And God, I want to pray for people that, that, you know, I know I want you to bless them. These, you know, people have been good to me, that kind of stuff. And so we always have something to, and that's love. And when you sit there and you think about people want to bless them, you may not have material things always to bless with, but when you do share what you have, but you can always pray for somebody and, and desire that their day be blessed. You know, there are times I'll be just doing nothing around the house and somebody, around, I say, God, give them whatever they need today in abundance, whatever that person needs to give it to them in abundance. Lord, always have a good something to to release from your heart that's love that's the love of god you walk in love and the enemy uh jezebel and ahab won't have time to come looking for you they won't know the last move you made and they won't won't have any kind of of place in you amen like like the bible says satan has no place in me that's what jesus said don't let him have any place in you don't find yourself getting selfish and getting silly and getting uh, uh, wound up about stuff. God takes care of you. You know, take time to worship God. He said, if you worship me, wealth and riches will be in your house. You know, not not waiting for you, but in your house. Sometimes you need to go in there and say, God, show me my wealth and my riches. Amen. If you don't see anything, so declare it. Father, I declare wealth and riches in my house all the days of my life all the days of my life and begin to give his word back to him and, and let him know you appreciate his word and, and you, you know, his word. So, so anyway, we're going to focus more on, on Jezebel and Ahab and how they operate because many times people just look at behavior and think, well, that's normal. Or, you know, they shrug their shoulders and they don't realize it's demonic. And I can tell you right now, if it's a devil, you can bind it. Amen. You can take authority over it. And that's what makes a difference with us Christians. You take authority over these entities and give them no, no ground to operate on, no place in your life. If you live your life like that, then you'll be able to have the things that God wants you to have nonstop. Amen. All the days of your life, you'll be able to be well taken care of. And so <clears throat> Jezebel and Ahab, we know, are a couple. Uh, uh, Ahab was uh, um, king of, uh, was it Israel or it was Israel. He was king in Israel and, um, and Jezebel was his wife. They were not supposed to be married. Amen. Um, because she was a pagan woman. 
she her name part of her name is is Baal the the god of the uh the pagan god he he um uh um you know the pagans did everything that we do we see now that is unclean they did it amen in their worship services they did human sacrifices they drank human blood they had temple prostitutes, both male and female. They, those people did everything. That's why God told Israel, don't get involved with them neighbors of yours. In fact, when he would send them in to take territory from the heathens, now God does not want sin to prosper. He wants people to be delivered, but he doesn't want sin to prosper. Why? Because just look at look at the news or look at social media and you'll see what sin does when it prospers. You know, you you can't. Now, somehow we've allowed deviant people to have a whole month to parade around. Naked, they're naked on their little parades now, they're lewd, lascivious people and, and, and then invite families to come and watch. And people are stupid enough to go and take their children with them. So that's what the devil does. That's what these two do when they get in power. They're the king and queen of sexual confusion, sexual perversion, and sexual debauchery. This is what they go for in that when they say uh, Israel went and, and worshiped other gods, that's what they did. They did all this lewd behavior in. Um, I'll turn to this one first. Isaiah, give you some examples. In Isaiah chapter three. God talks about uh, the behavior of the women, his people, his holy women, the women of Jerusalem, these are his children and their their behavior now that they are being influenced by, by pagan gods. And uh, in Isaiah 3 and verse 16, moreover, the Lord saith, because the daughters of Zion are haughty. They think they all that. And walk with stretched forth necks and wanton eyes, walking and mincing as they go. You know what that mincing is? It's switching. Yep. And and making a tinkling with their feet, wearing ankle bracelets. You know, it's like, I'm here, I'm coming. Make a lot of noise when you come in. Therefore, the Lord will smite with a scab the crown of the head of the daughters of Zion. So that's a, a disease in your scalp that causes your hair to fall out. And the Lord will discover their secret parts. In other words, strip you naked in front of people. And in the day, the Lord will take away the bravery of their tinkling ornaments about their feet and their calls and their round tires like the moon. In other words, the big hoop earrings. Anything that you can do to cause, draw attention to yourself. The chains and the bracelets and the mufflers, the bonnets, the ornaments of the legs and headbands and tabs. In other words, the more you adorn yourself, the least, the less God approves of what you do. You got me? 
the more you adorn yourself. That's selfish. What you doing? Say, oh, I deserve this. I deserve that. I'm going to put this on. I'm going to put that on. Wait till I come in there wearing this. Huh? Make it a big splash. The bonnets and the ornaments of the legs, etc. The rings and the nose jewels. See that coming back nowadays? Pierced noses, some stuck in their nose. See, these are, are, to me, these are indications of insecurity. You've got a lot of insecure people because they have been raised the wrong way. They have not been raised in the security of God. So therefore, and they got to get a tattoo. And they got to get this, anything to make themselves stand out because they're so hollow on the inside. You got me? I remember when we went years ago, we went to the Dream Center out in L.A. when they first were setting that up. And they had a uh, they had a little hospital there. They had, you know, all kinds of things. And they took in mostly homeless people, but they preached the gospel to them. They said, you know, when when people get saved, the number one thing they ask for is that they did a service to remove tattoos from people. You know, the word forbids us to tattoo our skin. We're not supposed to do that. God says, don't do that. But see, godless people do it. And you'll see some of them, their their skin is so marked up. You see, and you see, say to yourself, this person thinks that they're just a walking billboard. They don't care anymore about, they hate themselves. Why would you, you got perfect skin. Why would you mark it up with? You know, most of us, if, if you even have a scar on your body, you try to find some, you know, that erase stuff, you used to try and cover that up so you didn't have scars or blemishes. Now people, you just see them, their neck is all marked up. And, you know, you couldn't really say it's artwork because some of these people, these tattoos, I said, look like somebody in kindergarten played on your arm. You understand what I'm saying? And so it's it's not about that, but there is something driving people, and it's more prevalent now in this in this day and age. It's more common now for people to continue to mark themselves up. You got me? They're hollow inside. Nobody's ever bothered to put anything on the inside of them that gives them a sense of worth and gives them a sense of value. Amen. So and that's our job as believers to come in and supply that by telling them about the Lord and tell them you can be somebody. God doesn't want you all marked up. He made you perfect the way you were. You understand me? I mean, he loves you. You know, you're marked up, but, you know, God loves you. Let's let's see if, if he can help you to figure out how he can fix some of that that caused you to want to mark yourself up. You got me? Amen. So, I mean, people are so careful about, well, you know, you don't want to hurt people's feelings. It's been hurt before you met them. You're there. You're meeting them so that can get straightened out. Why do we think we hurting everybody so much? These people have been beat up by, by society, by the family, by humanity, by so-called friends. They've been beat up by everybody. And then we come in with the truth and people say, well, you be careful. You, you know, you don't want to hurt their feelings. They hurt already. Anybody would do that to themselves is already hurt. You got me? Amen. So anyway, these these are the behaviors of the women. Amen. Rings and nose jewels, changeable suits of apparel, 
mantles, wimples, crisping pins, all in pins in your hair, the glasses and the fine linen, the hoods and the veils. God didn't want them to have none of that. He said, dress modestly. Because once you get in front of people and you start showing yourself, that's when the devil gets in. You cannot cross a line. There's a line you have to draw in the way that you present yourself. Uh, when, when God set up the priesthood, you know, if you're a minister, you're in a pulpit, you're, you're functioning in a priesthood at a higher level. You know, we're all priests to God. We can all go to God with people's needs and with our own, and we will be heard. And we minister over the needs of people. You go to God and ask him to heal people. Ask him, give them a financial blessing, help them out this way, help them out that way. You're, you're a priest, you're functioning in the priesthood. But there were people who he he adorned as priests that were in front of the people. Amen. And these people had to dress a certain way. I dare you to go in the Bible and tell me they could dress any way they wanted to in the pulpit in the service of God. They had to make sure that they had washed themselves ceremonially clean. You didn't get up there and try to draw attention to yourself because you wasn't there for that. But so many people don't have a line that they don't cross. And they get in front of people and the devil gets in their head and start telling them, well, you should wear this. Because, you know, they think women ain't supposed to dress like this in the pit, but you can show them. Well, I'm just trying to give people a good excuse for being stupid. Now, some people just stupid and just going to get up there and do what they want to do. They think it's about them. New Testament, modest apparel. Go read it. Amen. God tells women to dress modestly and men too. Men don't get too stupid in the pulpit because they know people will walk out and they don't get that money. A brother put a suit back on in a minute. You know, they might try the jeans and stuff, but they get involved with too many crazy young people they can't manage. Well, think about it for a minute. might take a while for it to add up to you, but, you know, think about it for a minute and see if it don't add up. But, but it's just good to always keep that. I'm going to dress like this. You know, and this is going to be as far as I'm going to go. I've seen some people try to, you know, they'll get involved with certain groups of people and, you know, wear jeans and stuff. And pretty soon they back in that suit again. And you watch. Why? Because they get convicted in that other stuff. God didn't tell you to play to the audience. If he don't gather them people together, you don't get nothing. What did he tell Moses? He said, call, he said, I'll cause the people to hear you. Just tell them I said, show up, and I'll, tell, I'll cause them to hear you. Jesus had huge crowds. He wasn't advertising. He wasn't trying to be nobody. The Bible says he had no form of comeliness that we would desire him. He was just an average-looking man. Amen. But what he did, his acts caused him to stand out. Amen. Because he did it in the name of the Lord. He, he helped people. That's what people want. They want help. They don't care if you have fashion plate or how you look. As long as they can get help, they people are pretty much okay with you. 
And then the Lord says also is in verse 24, it'll come to pass that instead of a sweet smell, there shall be stink. Instead of a girdle, a rent, instead of, and instead of well said here, baldness, instead of a stomacher, girding or sackcloth and burning instead of beauty. And men shall fall by the sword and the mighty in the, the, the war and her gate shall lament and mourn. And she being desolate, so shall sit upon the ground. In that day, seven women shall take hold of one man, saying, We will eat our own bread and wear our own apparel. Only let us be called by thy name to take away our reproach. So here you see a typical Jezebel and Ahab relationship where the woman, and this is, this is very common now. It's been common, more common since I would say the women's movement. It's just been wholesale where seven women fighting over one man. So you'll see one man have children by as many as seven different women. I don't know where y'all live, but somebody ought to be paying attention. Why? Because she got her own job. She got her own place to stay. And a short marriage, so she don't look like nobody ever didn't want her. See, that's the reproach. Amen. There's a reproach of singleness. There's a reproach of widowhood. There's a reproach to everything that's in the in the world that would be a natural, normal way of living. That when somebody doesn't have that, people look at you in a kind of like you're not you're not who you know, you're not important. You're not somebody. Somebody didn't want you. That's why you never got married. You understand what I'm saying? And so what what women typically will do is they'll stay with a man long enough to get a name. You know, let's get married, have a couple kids, and pretty soon he's no good. He's this, he's that, and he's gone. If they get married at all. Amen. Many cases it's common law. Live with him for a while and you take on their name so that you look like somebody who's not a throwaway or whatever. And so this is very common now, folks. This is why people don't get married. It's because women have not um, lived for God and allowed God to allow them to expect better out of life. And the better comes from God. People say, well, that's just old-fashioned. No, it's Bible fashion. He made one man, one woman to stay married forever till they died. Not forever, just <laughs> on earth. When you get to heaven, you won't, you know each other, but you know, there won't be the marriage like that. But anyway, uh, God has caused us to, to want, he wants us to live committed one person, one man, one woman for till death do them part. Amen. And, and that's why he's ordained it that way. And, and the reason for that is to take the confusion out of living, to take the confusion out of family life, to have a stability, a stable household in which to raise stable children so that your children aren't running all over doing everything they want to do. They, they are a help to society. They are people you can look, look up to and you can depend on. So that stability that comes with the one man, one woman uh, till death, till one of them dies is the foundation of society. 
And when these two, Jezebel and Ahab, get involved, that gets broken down because they always come up with a better idea. Oh, that, that man don't treat you right. Go over to this one like the woman at the well. Amen. This is not a new concept. This has been around forever. But she was she was she had run into the right man that day and he was willing to forgive her sin. Amen. And give her a new start. And that's what God does with all of us. We all start off on a bad foot. Everybody's all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And in many times people live in certain ways and they think it's totally normal until they get around Christians or they get in the church and they say, well, they don't think they think this is wrong. They think that's I remember thinking like that. The first Christian Bible study I went to and I would hear people talk. I said, I didn't think that was wrong. They're saying that's wrong. I better keep reading my Bible. I haven't got to that part yet. You understand what I'm saying? This is how we learn God's ways. And it's only God's ways that will pull us up out of this way of living that the world uses to destroy us. You see cities like Chicago where 21 people get murdered in a weekend. That's Jezebel and Ahab. They set up these strife families that can't get along in the family. And then you can't get along with your neighbors. Well, you don't even know how. You haven't been trained to get along. Your family doesn't get along. There's fighting everywhere. There's selfishness everywhere. People don't trust each other. This is what they do. This is how they interact. Amen? And so we need to understand that, that, that you don't just live any kind of way. God wants us to live in covenant. If you have no covenant, you have no commitment to anybody, you don't have a stable life. Now, you can think all you want to, well, I just didn't re- meet the right one yet. Really? You're 80 years old. When is that going to happen? You can sing that song forever. Not everybody is wrong. And you're right. We need to quit calling people wrong because people aren't wrong. No more wrong than you are. Amen? Quit putting labels on. It's easy to label stuff and not ever find out what really the problem is. Problem is you don't honor God. You don't really love God. You don't know how to love God and how to serve him. It's going to require you sacrifice. You can't just look people up and down and try to figure out what they can do for you. Hmm? And then we do one kind thing for somebody and and want them to pay for it for the rest of their lives. If we don't get our payback real soon, we done. Ain't no good. We love labeling each other. It's not right. It's the devil. Amen. The accuser of the brethren. We accuse each other day and night. When these two are involved, I think it's, you know, the reason you haven't gotten as far as you need to get is somebody else's fault. It's always the other person. Amen. And this will destroy households, destroy families. And really, it's these two working behind the scenes, but letting you blame one another. See, the devil get involved and, and start tearing the house up. And then he gets you to look at each other and you can't even see him. He's invisible. 
but he's put all those ideas in everybody's head. He's caused everybody to get selfish, and and then retaliation comes in. He loves retaliating. He loves somebody crossing the line, get somebody angry, and then they got to get even with them. So that's how you get 21 people shot dead in one city overnight. Chicago is known as a murder city. It's a bloody city. Where did they first put all the stockyards and meatpacking plants? You ever studied some of these cities to see what why they're known for what they're known for? But it's a bloody city. That's where all the stockyards were, where they brought all the, the live, livestock, and they killed them all there and processed them all. So that blood speaks. So you have people walking in there all day long, stepping in blood, and it means nothing to them. So the gangsters start moving in. They kill up everybody. Now we got neighborhoods doing the same thing. You got me? So that's what the Christians who live there have to contend with. It's a history of blood. So so we have to understand these things about where we live. And, you know, plead the blood of Jesus. Go out and preach the gospel. Win people over to Christ. They got churches, churches in these cities that don't seem to make much headway. You got me? They don't attack on the right level. You got to hit these devils square between their eyes and tell them, let these people go. People don't belong to you. Stinking devil, I see you. I'm not blaming nobody with flesh and blood. I don't blame flesh and blood. This is the devil's doing. And you got to know how to attack him. And pull him down from his exalted place. Amen. So anyhow. So that's that's how God sees this. Seven women taking hold of one man. Amen. And all that means is that it doesn't mean there's a, a lack of men. It just means that people are free to roam around. Amen. And live with whoever they want to live with for how long they want to live with them and keep on moving. That's it. And people do it oftentimes because they don't want commitment. They say they're afraid of commitment. They, every time you, you talk to them about commitment, they get nervous. That's a demon right there. Amen. God's not afraid of commitment. He wants to commit to somebody. And God's people want commitment. You just People just don't want to change. They're too prideful. You know, I used to think I didn't want a husband, but I do. I'm tired of being lonely. That's the best prayer you can pray sometimes. That's best true repentance, where you just fed up with your old life and you want a new life. Amen? Nothing wrong with it. Everybody here wants something they don't have. I'm waiting on billions. I graduated from millions. I, millions don't go far enough. Hmm? You've got to keep your, your irons in the fire, folks. You know, you don't ever get just satisfied, not if God lives in your heart. He owns everything. You just learn how to be a good steward there. Amen. So so these two are are responsible for a lot of the trouble that we see in the world, in families, in churches, in governments. In churches, we you know, we see this this uh, flirting with 
the pastor, you know, all that, that's old stuff. That's been so old. And people say, well, that's Jezebel. No, there's a man involved. See, we always want to blame the, yeah, Jezebel. This. And I, when I see people doing that, I say they only got part of the picture. This is why it never stops because they never get the whole picture. If Jezebel's doing, why are you going to blame the woman for flirting with the pastor? He got a wife. He need to go home to his wife. Is how stupid is he? If he that stupid, he ain't got no business being in charge of God's flock. All these women running around here. Now you need to take care of yourself, brother. Help yourself. Amen. Like like uh, Job said, he said, I made a covenant with my eyes. I wouldn't go look at no, nobody. Uh-uh, I'm looking at no other woman. Amen. You got to make a covenant with your body parts. Amen. I'm in control here. We don't do that. Look at somebody else. Amen. So, so this is this is what it is. Seven women calling the one man. That's adultery. It's fornication. Amen. Sexual perversion. All of that. That's under their control. You need to understand that that in churches. There's no ministry office of co-pastor. If you read the Bible, the five-fold ministry gifts, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. If there's a co-pastor, there's a co-prophet, there's a co-apostle, there's no co-nothing. God sets you in the office, you answer to him. Don't push that over on him and he push it over. You know, it's like a two-headed monster. Then when God wants accountability, who's he going to go to? Well, I gave that to the co-pass. No, you didn't. God ain't told you to give that to nothing like that. So cut it out. I prophesied to thee, cut it out. Making up stuff. You know, men do that because they want to appease the wife. She always in his business. You ought to do this. You ought to do that. Well, let me get up and preach. You weakling. Probably neither one of them's really called. Yeah, I said it. You gonna give up your position that quickly? Cause somebody feel like she called to? No, no, but three scriptures. Just thinking out loud. We're going to stop playing around with the devil, folks. You're going to stop appeasing people. When God places you in authority over his house, he gives you everything that you need to take care of his people. You don't need to share accountability. You don't need to share authority. Now, you can delegate to some people but they don't have an equal office with you when God calls you to an office. You got it? You, you have to be careful about stuff like that. Many times people really are not called and we get pressure from society, church society, 
to push people into a life. You call your husband cough. You call your wife cough. You shut up. You don't call nobody. How would you know? You're not called anything yourself. See, when God gives me an assignment, I have to pray everything through. I have to go to God and ask him, what do I need to do next? I don't have anybody fall back on it. I'm tired of preaching. You get up there and preach some. That's so silly. You can't preach a whole hour. Go somewhere. Just turn. Go, go, uh, you know, do Uber. Do you understand what I'm saying? You mean you can't preach an hour? And you don't have no altar call, so you really ain't doing no work. God, when you stand before God, he's not going to ask you, where's your wife? Because y'all was close. He's going to ask you, what'd you do? Making up stuff. We got more offices. Prelates and all this. You know, looked up all this old stuff and dug it up and bringing it back out again. and Just to pump up somebody's flesh. That's all that that's they they like that that selfish stuff. I want to be seen. I want to be known. You got to give me a title. We don't have no more title. Let's make something up. The truth. Just go, go win a soul. Go pray for a sick person. How? When is? Why is that not enough? You know, open that kitchen up, that deluxe kitchen you got in that $50 million church you just built. Open it up to to hungry people in the neighborhood. Well, there's no hungry people in our neighborhood. You liar. There are, but get your bus and go get some. It's so funny. When uh, Pat Robertson built the the CBN down there in Virginia Beach and 700 Club and and people he would on Thanksgiving they would get buses and go get people off the street and bring them to have dinner and he made all the people that worked there eat with them. Well, I just love our Thanksgiving. Yeah, you do now, liar. You didn't at first. You were shocked to see them people smelling and noses running. Come and sitting next to you at a nice table with a tablecloth and y'all serving them dinner. You were shocked out of your mind. But that's Bible. Said when you when you put your meal out, go get some people off the streets who can't afford anything. He did that year after he broke those those people that, that worked for him. The ones thought they was all that because they was on TV and commentators. and He broke that stuff off of them people. And he and his wife came over and ate with them too. They went from table to table talking to people, shaking hands, hugging them, loving on them. You tell me it can't be done. If you purpose in your heart to do it, you'll do it. But this old negative Jezebel stuff and I'm this and I'm that and yeah, I'm a queen and, you know, all this kind of nonsense. Just cut that out. Just cut it out. Go go do something for somebody. Make yourself useful. My mother used to say, get up and make yourself useful. 
man. <laughs> they sure did. All that nonsense, fictitious stuff. Let's cut it out. So, so this is Jezebel and Ahab. When they get in the minds of people, selfishness is what drives this. You get out of self and you're safe. You quit thinking about you, who you are, how you look to people, what they're going to say if you don't have this. And I'll quit that. Quit that because people ain't thinking about you. They got their own problems. They got enough to think about you. Think people noticing what you wore. They noticed it that one time. That's as much as God going to let them notice it. Am I right, Miss Pat? You know I'm right. Amen. Shoot. I'm in there a fashion plate. Scared of people. <laughs> Amen. So, so the the uh, we started last time talking about these these um, issues with reproductive rights, where there's sexual confusion, a lot of illegitimate births, and that means outside of marriage. I don't know a cuter way to give to it. That's what the world does. They put cute terms on stuff so we don't understand what we're talking about. But when babies are conceived out of marriage, there's certain curse that comes in that kind of life. You got me? Because it's disobedience. Now, you know, I'm quick to say once you're saved, you're redeemed, but you got to live for God. You just can't walk across the altar one time, call yourself saved, and all this disappears out of your life magically. You might have to fight some devils for a while to get them out of your, out of your life and out of your children's lives. But God gives everybody a fresh start. When your sins are forgiven, they are forgiven, but you got to live for him. You just can't live any kind of way and think you're protected and covered. Amen. And so, so when, when these two get involved in family life, there is a what we call uh, no covering over the household. The, the marriage is the covering. Amen. And in the marriage, there is a certain order where the husband, Jesus covers the household. The husband covers the wife and the children and the wife is responsible for the children. Amen. And so there's no um, uh, imitation or substitute for that. There's no yeah, but there's no yeah, but it's just do stuff the right way. Amen. You know, if if any kind of way of living would would be a would would be blessed, what's the purpose of, of God even coming down here to save us? He saved us so he could save us out of the curse. He saved us so he can put us over into a blessed life. Amen. But if there's if it's the same as if you you do or don't serve God, what are we what are we Christians doing? Doing all this for nothing. If there's no difference. And so the, the difference is you got to understand when God is showing mercy and when he's now expecting you to live according to his rules. See, we get mercy for a season. The Bible says God, God speaks. This. He says, just because I didn't didn't uh, condemn you or judge you initially, you thought I was like you. See, it's easy for us to think God is is winking at sin and he, he don't care what I, I got away with this. Well, he ain't done nothing to me yet. 
to make a wrong judgment about him. But when really he's long-suffering, he's waiting for you to wake up, stupid, and start living right. Read the handwriting on the wall and understand that the word is true. And he lives according to his word. He blesses those that, that obey him. Amen. When you worship God, that means you put him first. That don't mean you stand up every now and then in church and, and you know, get all oozy. You know what I'm saying. That's stuff we do for show. What do you do in the secret place? Amen. That's where it makes a difference. When you could be watching television, do you shut it off and, and, and put your worship music on? You need a little help. That's okay. God will let you get a little help from a little worship music. Get in your Bible and, and begin to cry out to God and ask him to make some changes in the earth. Help some people that need to be helped. God, I passed too many homeless people going to church. Let's do something about that. Show me what to do. Here I am, Lord, send me. Amen. This is what he's looking for out of his people. And he will honor it every single time. You do enough of that and you won't have to worry about your rough beginnings. You won't have to worry about your children's dad that he was never in the picture because you didn't know better. All your girlfriends was having babies and you had some too. Society will tell you it's okay. They'll tell you, oh, they can't judge you. All them church people, they judge you. They say you ain't right. Oh, you just need to repent. And watch God do a miracle in your household. But you got to stay faithful to him. Too many people willing to go back too quick. Amen? You go back to Egypt for nothing. You ain't left nothing there that's coming to you. Amen? Most of the stuff we can't get back to. How do we know that? Because we've been trying ever since we got saved. <laughs> and found the door is closed. Oh, my. The Red Sea covered back up again. I can't swim that good. I'll drown. Yeah, that's why he folded it right back up again. So you don't find it so easy to go back to the place that condemned you. Amen. When he saves you, he saves to the other most. So God wants us to, to live for him, folks. This, this society, what our society is doing is an abomination to God. It's an abomination. And the more we live for God, the stranger we're going to look to everybody. You start really living for God and people start, what you doing that for? You, it don't take all. Don't you like it when people, it don't take all that. And the way you're living, you know, it takes what you're doing and then some. You need to say to him, honey, please, I'm not doing half of what I know God wants me to do. Are you kidding me? I'm shocked I live as well as I do with my efforts I'm putting in. I'm telling you. I mean, we we have we are just scratching the surface on obedience as far as God is concerned. So we're going to clear our seed, righteous seed, because this is necessary. You, you start prophesying over your children. We all had a rough beginning. Amen. You know, my parents stayed together, but they didn't get along very well. My dad drank a lot and it put pressure on our family, on my mother, especially. 
you know, and I used to say, I don't know why she don't leave him. You know, you say that to yourself and then you think you think of the thought of being by yourself and you're scared. And that's why she don't go nowhere. Because it'll make you a wreck. You understand what I'm saying? You don't condemn your parents for decisions they make. See if you see if you can hold up half as well when life starts whooping your head. Amen. So so we have to honor them in that way. And just, Mother, I thank you for staying, keeping our family together. You know, that was one thing I did learn. And that I said, mm, yeah, okay, it gets tough. I know what to do. You understand what I'm saying? And when I ran out of things I need, knew how to do, God showed up and helped me. And I knew how to cling to him. Why? So I'd seen my mother do it. I'd seen her cry and pray. She didn't let us know what she was doing most of the time, but I could tell she was doing it. You understand me? And so if if you can leave your children that imprint on them, when it really gets tough, you go to God. You leave that with them. You have done your job as a parent. You have done a great job because many don't do it because they don't know to do it. And so it's a good thing to leave that imprint on your family. The Jezebel don't have no power here, and Ahab don't have no power here. Amen. Many times women get pushed into that role because the man won't do what he's supposed to do. But that doesn't make her right. See, there's a place in God where she can find a better thing to do. And that's what God wants to do. He wants to open us up to the better thing to do. You don't have to resort to those, those kinds of tactics and those means. But make sure you're trusting God. Amen. Well, Father, we thank you and we bless you and we praise you. We pray the seed of the righteous, Lord, that we will be delivered. We will not beg bread. We will hate sin and the devil. Our children have your covenant established in their lives and they inherit all that we have in you and increase in your glory. Thank you, Lord. Our children increase exceedingly. And of the kingdom of God, there will be no end in their lives, that they'll possess the gates of those that hate them, that they choose life that they may live, that they fear and glorify you, that they are blessed and fruitful, increase abundantly, be multiplied and wax exceeding mighty, that they will inherit the earth and be established forever. They'll be mighty upon the earth and they will be delivered, though hand joined in hand. They will have the Holy Spirit poured out on them, that they will be baptized in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues, that they will have the word of God continually in their mouths, that the glory of their house will be greater than that of my house, that they will be taught of the Lord, and great shall be their peace. They'll be trained in the ways of the Lord where they're old. They'll not depart from it. They are your inheritance, Lord. They will be filled with wisdom and have favor with God and with man. They will honor father and mother that their days will be long on the earth and it'll be well with them. Father, we stop the crimes against children. We bind you lust, hate, and murder. We bind Jezebel, Ahab, and Pharaoh. We break spirits of stupor and folly over parents. We lose godly wisdom. We declare our homes upright before you. Thank you, Lord. Our hearts of the fathers will turn towards the sons and the sons toward the fathers. Thank you for protection by the heavenly host because we live right before you. We break mind occult and drug culture powers over children. Jezebel, we cut your cords to children. 
We show no pity if you weep for them. Let the word of God not depart from the children's mouths. Thank you, Lord. Our kids are raised in your nurture and admonition. And we break the power of witchcraft in schools and over the children and in the home in Jesus' name. We thank you, Lord, to make safe homes for children. Keeps weapons out of their way and out of their reach so they cannot get weapons to kill one another. We bind strife and violence between children. We bind peer pressure to commit murder. We pray for the fruit of self-control. We break the power of gangs. Thank you to make them undesirable for children. And we thank you, Lord, to close up the southern border in this nation so these gangs cannot infiltrate this country. In the name of Jesus, we break the power of witchcraft that allows kidnapping, rape, murder, terrorist spirits, and internet stalking, and transgenderism. Jezebel, we bind your false family and fantasy spirits as companions for lonely or rejected children. Father, fill up their loneliness with your love, with your word, with your vision, and with your heart. Make our children wise as serpents and harmless as doves so they will not fall prey to the enemy. And Holy Spirit, draw children to Christian places, safe places, Christian websites, and, and wholesome things for their young minds. And we thank you for it, Lord, and we bless you for it. In Jesus' name, amen and praise God. Why don't we do our declaration? I don't have Rona. She don't have me. I can't get Rona. She can't get me. And I can't get, and I don't have whatever it is you're fighting. And it don't have me. And I thank you, Father, by the stripes of Jesus Christ. We love you, Lord. We are healed. Amen. Amen and amen again. It's so decreed. Amen. Praise God. Praise God.